to be joking. You've got to be joking. Now, when the treasurer wished oh, to go no. there or not, I would forbid him going. Forbid him going to the Senate. To, uh, to uh, account for this unrepresentative swill over there. Happy New Year, Rob. Whoa. Whoa, Who'd have thought it? Yeah, uh, so we didn't record last week um, due to the the festive season, et cetera, et cetera. We were too busy having a little holiday, weren't we? Yeah, you know, we we tried to argue with the government that we wanted wanted to keep going, but they said, no, you have to have this time off as a full-time worker, et cetera, et cetera. Imagine the government, you know, telling you you're not allowed to work. Yeah. Kind of, kind of uh, impedes my individual freedoms, Rob. fucking socialist system. I know, man. God. That's the problem with the world right now. <laughs> That's the problem with the world right now. <laughs> These goddamn lefties. The country we live in, Rob. <laughs> how's, your, how's your holiday festive season though, Rob? Good? Yeah, it was pretty good. Actually got some time off work, which was different for me. Nuts, yeah. <laughs> great. Uh, yeah. And for yourself, Matt? Yeah, great. Have a brother's home. That was nice. They're all gone now, though, so it's really back to normality for me. Yeah, the return to normalcy. No, the return to uh, university soon, coming up soon for me, sooner than I would like, so... I still don't know if I'm going to university next next year, but this year... Oh, you're doing the old lucky dip? (laughs) Yeah, starting to get response, yeah. Yeah? Good that, yeah. No worries. (laughs) Um, So, Nick, what... what, what, Is anything happened in the world, or does the world just stop during this time? Oh, yeah, no, nothing happened. The world just stopped. Okay, cool. No, right. no. <laughs> as much as I think a lot of people wish that would ha- that did happen, the world didn't stop. Um, one point um, that we touched on before is vaccine in Australia. What what's 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 happening with that? Especially and about October, right? It's supposed to be by March. We're well, gonna have oh. a, a, we're supposed to have a vaccine late March or um, rolling into June as well. Um, May May as well. I mean. But Labor are now, and other people as well now, are increasingly saying, like, why? Why can't we have the vaccine sooner? Yeah, fair enough. I mean, it's going around in a, in a boatload in the UK right now, right? Yeah, so the US and the UK gave it emergency approval by their, like, um, regulatory authority. And we didn't do that, so that's why it's taking longer for us to approve it here. It's not an emergency, Matt. Mm. It doesn't exist, this COVID thing. Well, that's the thing, you know. It's, it's, we're doing much better here. But all it takes is, you know, a few cases here and there and bloody things go crazy again. Exactly. Take, take New South Wales, Victoria. And today we had, we in WA, got announced that we have people in hotel quarantine with the new uh, fast um, spreading version of coronavirus that came from the UK. Yeah. So hopefully those people don't do what that lady did a few weeks back and- <laughs> Run out of there. I was speaking to someone today who said the exact same thing. <laughs> I think people like that story. It was so funny. Yeah, it's, it's a bit pretty of Robin funny. Hood type, isn't it? Yeah, thank God she didn't have anything, though. Yeah, I would've, think... I would have been so pissed if we had to go into another lockdown. I think she's of... going to prison, isn't she? It's pretty... Prison? I don't remember. Surely she that's probably, not an imprisonable should probably offense. look it up before I say that, but it's okay. It doesn't allegedly, matter. allegedly, you know, yeah. off the record, all this. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, um, yeah, I think it's a good question. Why don't we have the vaccine now? Um, especially given, I think, how uh, things are heating up a little bit in New South Wales and Victoria. Yeah, it would be nice to have it, hey. Um, but we don't because the Liberal government sucks. No. Whoa. <laughs> saying that, they are having, I think, a special cabinet meeting this Friday uh, to talk about the new fast-spreading variant and how that may be 
is is a reason why we should fast track the vaccine. So we'll keep an eye out. Yeah, we'll 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 keep you informed, uh, loyal listeners of the podcast. I, I just I think we should just like, have it as soon as possible. But anyway, um, a bit of a different one in news from Hong Kong. Um, unprecedented number of arrests by the authorities there against pro democracy activists. So like a huge number of arrests, more than that have happened ever, under the new national security law that got passed last year. Um, so you know, I mean, me and Robert said it. Me and Rob said it at the time. Hong Kong's done for, really. The the democracy there. Yeah, it it's increasingly look like looking like that uh one country, two systems model is just gonna become a one country model. One um, country, one system. And yeah. it's all Xi Jinping. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously salute. We do that every time. Yeah, we, we do salute. You. Um but yeah, it'd be cool if he didn't stop arresting pro democracy activists. Yeah. Um so uh if you live in Hong Kong, if we have any Hong Kong listeners. If if this is this podcast is allowed to get to Hong Kong, that is. Yeah, no, I think uh, this podcast would go wouldn't make it through the Great Firewall, you know. Nah, no way. No way. We yeah. talk we talk too much shit about him. Right? We do, we do. Um, G knows us well. G <laughs> knows us by name. I'm sure at this point. If G doesn't know us by name, I'm editing the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to edit the podcast then. Uh, um, now the the required should have started with this a while ago. Uh, the a recording of Trump came out telling the Republican governor in Georgia that uh, to say you're know, demanding that they just find eleven thousand seven hundred more votes. Just find they them. Just find them. And they're hanging about. Don't worry about. But they're somewhere. They've got to be somewhere. So this is the increasing descent into madness for Trump. Um, and. Again, you know, we say this every time. It's worrying that he can even do this thing anymore. But it's not long now, guys. He's, he's going to go back to normalcy pretty soon, as Warren G. Harding said. Um, and, you know, this person that's been doing his least, at least as possible as president for the last six months uh, will no longer be president, despite how much he wants to be president. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this issue, like, you know, people are amazed it's still a thing. It's now caused this deep fissure in the Republican Party. I said this before, and Rob didn't know what fissure meant, but it's a it's like a land formation. It's like a valley. So it's a big divide, basically, in the Republican Party um, over those who continue to propagate this, you know, the election was fraudulent idea, and those that are like, let's just move on. Um, so it's just doing more and more damage to the Republican Party. A Republican Party that is already out of touch with the majority of the American population. And can only ever win an election due to their stupid electoral system. <laughs> Good. Um, last bit of news. Uh, the UK goes into national lockdown. There was more than a million coronavirus cases last week. Um, and that's one in 50 people in England um, that had coronavirus. Yes, they've gone into a seven-week uh, statewide lockdown, I believe. Yeah, so England, Scotland. I don't know about Wales, but England and Scotland are both locked down. Um, yeah. It's really bad over there. It's this is it's almost at U.S. levels of terrible management by the Conservative Party here. They've gone from you know wanting to do a, you know herd immunity to approach to locking down to, and prematurely lifting these lockdowns, only to lock down again. Uh yeah, they've they've really stuffed up here. Really, they really have. Yeah, um. Their NHS was already, their, their health system was already in crisis as well beforehand. But maybe an interesting point, Rob, is that, you know, 
one of the, the the UK has like a what we call a unitary system of government, which means they don't have levels of government. There's no state governments. There's just a federal government. Um, and you know, some say that makes it easier to kind of. I think there's a Scottish Parliament, isn't there? Sorry. Yeah, there's there's some levels of like um, devolvement of powers, but not in the kind of same way that we have state governments. Oh yeah, yeah. Wouldn't be like that, no. Yeah, no. Um, but you know, some the, people say unitary is sometimes better because it's easier to organize these things like lockdowns or that kind of stuff. Well, clearly not. Yeah. From from this, I mean, W Australia has done so much better, but you know, maybe that's. Definitely not the only reason, but yeah, I think <laughs> the U.S. is a prime example of how poorly a Washington system can work. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. All right. Well, that's all the news that I thought was interesting, Rob. There's yeah. definitely a lot more stuff that happened, but but there's massive news coming out of today. We're recording this, and it's still going up in the air. We're not 100 percent sure of results, but we are pretty confident of these. That's true. This is literally as as like live as it could possibly be. Yeah. Me and um, Rob are kind of. Uh, master planners of in course, that regard. Obviously. And that's the Georgia runoff uh, elections for the state for two very, very important Senate seats, um, which will pretty much decide what gets through from Biden if the um, Democrats win both of them. Biden's got a free hit, really. He can push stuff through properly. Yeah. And we'll remind everyone, so the runoff elections are elections that kind of are supplementary to last year's uh, US presidential election and the Senate uh, and House elections that happened as well. Um, it basically, the way it works is the, the results were too close in the November election. So they just had like a, another runoff election with just two candidates to see who would get the biggest outright vote. I yep. know that that is happening today in the US. And it's pretty clear that both Democrats are probably most likely going up. Yeah, which is um, for people like pretty much most people in Australia. I think no one really in Australia is a Trump supporter, apart from loonies. Um, <laughs> uh, which is great news because it means that a lot of the damage done by Trump can be overturned, yeah, hopefully, in the next two years before inevitably there's some sort of red wave back. Yeah. Um, which that's, seems to happen all, all the time. That's the way of politics, isn't it? Yeah. Back and forth and back and forth until the country's broken. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, this is this is pretty big though. Yeah, when Back in November when we knew these runoff elections were going to happen after we knew that, people were saying, you know, oh, it's a chance for the Democrats, but it's a really low one. Like the Republicans will most likely win those elections. Um, and, you know, what, what happened? Well, the Democrats won, Nick. It was unbelievable. Um, and the reason why we, among many, said that it is unlikely that Democrats would win is that Georgia is always been a Republican state. Uh, this, you know, this election is quite an outlier with um, Biden winning the uh, what's it called the state in the presidential election. Um, so it's unbelievable to see, you know, Democrats sweeping Georgia really, mm. um, and yeah, it. it it feels a bit surreal still, to be honest. I can't believe it. And again, these results aren't official yet. They seem pretty likely though. Yeah. I think one of the, the hugely influential things was the, the attitude um, and the campaigning from Trump in the lead up to these runoff elections. Because, you know, that's I think the one thing Republicans feared is if you have a president who's lost the election soon to be outgoing um, or soon to leave... They're not going to campaign that enthusiastically for elections that, you know, maybe they don't give a shit about anymore. Maybe Trump doesn't care about that anymore. So 
you know, the, added to the fact that he was actively saying the election was fraudulent um, and discrediting the outcome. A lot of Republicans you know, in Georgia, it's being maybe thought, didn't even bother to rock up to vote because they thought the whole system is meaningless, fraudulent, doesn't matter if they vote or not. Yeah, you make a great point. And it's also, there's there seems to be a divide. I'm not sure what campaign the two uh, Republican senators were running on, but if they were not Trump supporters, or even if they were Trump supporters, you get that split which we talked about in the Republican base now, uh, which is very worrying signs. The fact that we all said that the Democrats are unlikely to get both seats, and now they've seemingly won both seats quite comfortably, I think it's quite a showing sign for the Republican Party. Yeah, I mean, they, they, you know, those, that's a good point, Rob. Those Republican candidates did have to put themselves on either side of that line. And, you know, it must have been such a tough call to say, you know, do you keep on board the Trump train or do you jump off and with the other, you know, decent, moderate Republicans and start being like, yeah, Trump, time to move on. Um, but I think clearly it I, either didn't matter or they made the wrong choice. Um, so interesting. By the way, the people, the Democratic candidates who went up were Raphael Warnock and John uh, John Osef. Um Warnock will be the first black senator from Georgia wow. if he wins. Um, I think they've got quite a large African-American population in Georgia as yeah, well. Yeah, in like Atlanta and stuff. Um, so that, yeah. that's a really great thing to see. That is a great thing to see, actually. As well. He's a pastor. Do you, do you know much about either of these guys, Nick? Because personally, I don't know anything, and I'm willing to say that. Yeah, Warnock is a, is a uh, black pastor from, okay. um, I, I don't know where from in Georgia. I think maybe Atlanta. And Joan Ossoff is just another dude. Um, of course. But, you know, yeah, their, their personalities matter, but the big picture is they'll have that uh, majority in the Senate. Yeah. 51 to... or 50 to 50. And then um, what will have to happen is Vice President-elect Kamala Harris will have to uh, have the, the... Yeah, the, the yeah. swinging vote in the Senate. We should say here, though, that um, the US Senate and pretty much the US uh, legislative system is a little bit different to Australia in that party lines are a little less strict. They're increasingly becoming more strict due to the polarization of U.S. politics. But um, you know, Democrats are allowed to vote against you know Biden's bills uh, if if they feel fit. Uh, it'll be interesting to see that actually. Yeah, because in this country, if you vote, if you're on the Liberal Party, saying you vote against the legislation sponsored by the Liberal Party, out. yeah, you get kicked out of the party. But in the U.S., it's it's not definitely not the same. Yeah, you still stay in the party. So yeah, I mean that's right. It's a it's a majority rub, but a very very shaky one. Um, yeah, it, it it's razor thin. If if one Democrat doesn't like your bill, uh, you're in trouble. Exactly, and but but majority nonetheless. Majority nonetheless, Nick. Um, and you know that is really what a what a play for Biden and the Democrats. That's really a hail mary for them. Yeah, it's unbelievable that they've been able to do this, considering. On election day, we thought that it was going to be four more years of Trump, Trumpism, and yeah, and such. That's true. Considering the turnaround that's uh, happened since you know eleven o'clock on, I can't remember what day it was. It was Tuesday. The Tuesday, eleven oh, o'clock it was Wednesday on for us. Wednesday, yeah. the third or whatever. Yeah. Um, very very good. Um, we you got to be happy with that. I think if you're an Australian, I know. No, right? It's just a great point going from like we thought Trump was going to win. To now, the Democrats have got the White House, the House, and the Senate. Yeah, the only they don't have the court, and they're not going to get that anytime soon. Yeah, um, you know, quite quite amazing. So, Rob, what are the things maybe we're going to see from from a fully um, blue Congress? Well, hopefully, we get some sort of you know 
progressive uh, climate uh, slash energy policy. And I think uh, Biden has talked about that. I think he's proposing something like three trillion, or it's a ridiculous like a trillion dollars investment in renewable energies. I believe. Yeah, some kind of green new deal. It is like unbelievable how much money. It's the most money ever spent on um, you know green energies. So that if that can get through, that'll be amazing to see. Um, I'm not really too sure. A lot of just reversing the damage done. I think. Yeah. Happen. I think the healthcare will be interesting to see. Um, yeah. You know, and you you can't now say that the U.S. healthcare system is in good nick given the huge health crisis we had last year. Yeah. And ongoing in the U.S. So I think Biden Care is what it's going to be called, or something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that funny? He's just making Obamacare now into Biden Care. <laughs> Um, so the difference between that and Obamacare is pretty much Obamacare gave this kind of like weird middle ground where if you earned enough money um, to not be on Obamacare but was forced to buy a private insurer but didn't earn enough money to really afford a good private insurer, you were left in this like kind of limbo where you were just eating shit. Um, <laughs> Bidencare is going to fill that. Good. Uh, that's a really poor way of explaining it. I'm no, aware. That, that, no, that makes sense. <laughs> no, I see you clearly. If I had a graph, I'd be able to explain Loud it to our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> you did do health economics, so you actually have a. Uh, oh, you, you quite know quite a lot about this field. Yeah, of course. <laughs> no worries. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, no, you're right. It will be a lot of undoing of the Trump era um, stuff, though. I mean, every everything they can. Yeah, um, but it should be said that. You know, I think they've got two years to do this, really, to be honest. And Washington yeah. is famously a town that moves very slowly. Um, because with a majority that slim, it just takes one, you know, a state like Georgia, which has traditionally been Republican, or if a Republican Party sorts out its message and becomes clear, I think they can quite easily, you know, topple at least one seat and gain a majority in the Senate again. Yeah, and you know, everyone should remember that Obama came to the White House with a, a fully blue Congress as well, but he, two years into his first term, lost it um, because uh, his, his Senate turned red. Yeah. So, you know, the House or the Senate could potentially go red two well, years. Well, I think, I think the only thing that can do it is the Senate, to be honest. I don't see the House changing anytime soon. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, because it... Just because the way the system is stupid. The Republicans, yeah. Yeah. yeah no, you're right. Um. You know, speaking of stupid systems, though, Nick, um, I'd like to talk about the problems with Westminster and Washington systems. So mm. this is systems we see in the UK, Australia, the US, Canada, New Zealand, etc. Um, and I think recently, the what's going on in the UK, what's going on in the US, and even in Australia, has really shown the the flaws with. Uh, the democracies in quotation that we have here. And I think these flaws can be broken neatly down into three categories, Nick. Oh, oh, Rob, t- talk to me. What are these three categories? So the three categories are systematic problems. So problems about the system in and of itself, voting problems, i.e. the voting systems, Trojans, and money problems, which you know, doesn't need explaining. Money, um, liberalism? <laughs> who'd have thought, right? Yeah. So I'll quickly move on to systematic problems. Uh, do you, do you, can you pick anything here, Nick? Well, why don't you give me one and then I'll see if I can get another. Okay. So first one, this, this applies to the, the Washington system or the Washminster system yeah. is the Senate and the fact that it just isn't representative at all. Yeah. 
And how can a democracy call itself that when it isn't representative, right? Yeah. I mean, we have the same thing here um, in Australia where, like, if you're in Tassie, your vote counts, like, eight times or whatever over a WA vote and, like, 20-something times over a New South Wales vote. In yep. the Senate, which makes no sense, really, um, given this day and age, the difference between, you know, the state's interest isn't really huge, you could say. No, um, I don't think so. Yeah, it, a lot of Australians... You, you could maybe make that argument in the US... But definitely not in Australia anymore, I think. I'm mean, true, yeah. I mean, that, that's quite a... You know, the House of Representatives is better, those systems, um, where, like, you kind of... You know, it, it effectively, you're making a lot more electorates and you're making them just really small. But you still have that problem where, like, uh, a lot of the um, rural populations are concentrated in rural electorates and they all think one way and they get over, overrepresented as well. Yes, definitely. But the Senate thing is really bad. So... Uh, on, on that point of the Senate and the House of Reps, I think party party politics is probably ruining what, uh, you know, founding fathers of both the uh, Wash, Washminster, Westminster and Washington system wanted, uh, mainly because uh, the strict party lines that have formed uh, m- m- probably in you know, recent years really um, has caused this you know, problem where debate only really occurs within parties. You no longer see debate actually on the chamber. And this is a major problem in the House of Review, which is in the House of Lords and the Senate, right? Uh, Where party politics has forced everyone to vote in one line when in reality we should be reviewing bills and actually making good legislation. However, it's just turned into a second house for the party. Yeah. No, the the way these systems were meant to be is the Senate, your upper house, the Senate in Australia, the House of Lords in the UK, Senate in the US. It's supposed to be like a review legislation in a kind of non-partisan, non-partisan way. Yeah, and um, ironically, the non-democratic House of Lords actually does this best because they've got, you know, non-party affiliates in them. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But yeah, they can't have even reject it. They just make recommendations. But maybe that's even better. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, no, but it is. it has got, become just incredibly partisan yeah Um, it's ridiculous yeah um there's a couple more in there but i (laughs) haven't written them down so that's good oh yeah that's right have you got have you got any more matt um yeah well i'll just say the those systems are just a, a product of their historical context where the one of the big priorities was to slow government down and make yep. it actually really difficult to pass things and do things because it was coming from an age where people did things quickly and you know abused power in ways that advanced their own interests. So one of the ways to stop that was to slow down things as much as possible, have as much scrutiny, um, review, accountability and stuff, which sounds good. But you, know, you can ask the question, is that as necessary in, in today's age? And um, you know, uh, the demands of the modern world do they mean that we need to be able to pass and do things more quickly? Yeah, exactly. And that reminds me of one last point I'd oh, like to yes. make on systematic problems is um, constitutions and lack of constitutions in these systems. We've seen, you know, the, the Second Amendment's the classic one uh, of these, you know, 200, 300-year-old documents that don't apply anymore Yeah. Um, and just aren't relevant to today's day and age. And then on the opposite side of things in the UK where they don't really have a formal constitution, or you can see it, it's better better shown in uh, historical examples, where you can see power getting concentrated, and since the constitution's too weak, it just folds and leads to authoritarianism. The classic example here is Nazi Germany, 
which had a constitution, but it was only, you know, 10 years old. And, you know, the hunger for democracy wasn't there. Um, constitution is a big problem. Yeah, and I, yeah. think, I think it's rubbish. It's not just quickly. I think it's nuts that you, that people think they can make a constitution that it will be a timeless document, basically. That will always be a good way to hold government to account, create a good system. I just think that's just stupid. Well, it, it is it is insane, Nick, because even the Australian Constitution, which is probably the most boring document ever created, <laughs> has led to uh, a complete change of what it was originally purposed to. It was yeah. originally purposed to ensure that states maintain a lot of power. And Section 51 of the Australian Constitution, if any of you did politics and law, would know this. It's just ruined what the founding fathers thought Australia should be. Yeah. And, you know, some people argue that the high court, that the, the courts will modify the constitution to keep it up with the times. I think that's stupid, though. There are still some binding elements of the constitution which are just, you know, weakened systems like the US. Yeah, well, that, that's, a, that's the issue is courts often, you know, interpret these words. They can either take it by the black letter of the law or they try and evolve the constitution into something that it's not. Um, again, a classic example is uh, Section 2 of the um, American Constitution where, you know, it was to create your own you know, militia or something. Yeah, it literally gives people, like, the right to create their own civilian militias. Yeah, and that was considered to be a public right until the 30s um, where they changed it to an individual right. And then that was upheld in, I think, 2008 or 2011, uh, to an individual right to bear arms. And another thing is... I think I've said this last week or the week before, Constitution don't understand what, what's going to happen in 300 years' time. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. There should just be a system of review. It should say every 100 years this needs to be rewritten. <laughs> That'd be really easy. Rewritten on non-partisan terms. Yeah, just but, rewritten by like an elected assembly or something. But we should probably move on to... Um, yeah, give me some voting ones. Right? Something that's... I think this is probably the major problem with uh, these systems is the voting. Um more applicable here in the US and the UK, um, but first past the post voting is just terrible, yeah. and it just encourages first um, two party systems. And I think, to be honest, I don't think two party systems are effective really. Um, yes, they're good for getting legislation through, but the whole purpose of these of the West uh, the uh, <laughs> the Washminster. The West, uh, you, you know, the US hybrid system. The US yeah, hybrid yeah. system and the, the UK system yeah. is to slow government down, right? Yeah. Um, but first past the post has pretty much put an end to that. And even in Australia, with our, I think it's called proportional, not proportional, it's like. Well, yeah, we have an absolute majority here. Um, yeah. But that still leads to, uh, you know, two party politics. Yeah. I say every single election, the Greens get 15% of the vote. And they get one one seat in the House of Representatives. Yeah, yeah, that, that sucks for the Greens. It's just it is very difficult to and it's to the do opposite for the Nationals. Systems. Yeah, it is the Nationals because their votes are so geographically geographically concentrated. They just do well out of the House of Reps system, um, and so the Greens adversely don't do that, um, or conversely don't do that. Yeah, uh, but in the in the upper house, which is you know a, a benefit of the Australian system, we do a different voting system, a proportional one in the upper house. So the Greens have like, uh, still they they roughly get as many seats as they deserved based on their vote national vote percentage. Yeah. So, um, on that, I think that proportional systems are probably the best system actually for voting. Um, and I think that majorities almost should never be formed in government. 
I think one party majorities are a product of modern politics, and I don't think they should really be hanging Interesting. out. Interesting. I don't know, Rob. I know a lot of people disagree with you because the kind of um, you know, Spain still has like a proportional system. A lot of European countries do, and they've they have a long history of ha- of having those systems. But I know there's people just get frustrated that they just get they they don't form stable governments that they're always breaking and having uh, having to have new elections and it's really unstable. Yeah, and um, I understand that point there. But I feel like in in Australia if you took um you know modern modern Australia and had a proportional voting system that didn't have all these bullshit and clauses that led to you know things like the shooters and fishers getting in, right? As we've seen in the Senate a few times. I think you'd see approximately, you know, 35 to 40% going to the Liberals, same for the Labor Party, 10% going to the Greens, 5% going to the Nationals, and the rest going to, you know, Pauline Hanson and Independents and such. And I think that's good because it it forces parties to not only go against uh, their own, you know, narrow-minded party vision and, 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 you know, cooperate with other parties, which is, I think, what, you know, our founding fathers intended to slow government down and force debate and deliberation over bills. Yeah, compromise is, is very good. Um, and it would be good to see more of that in a system that encourages that. And I think the Australian, poli- for Australia's case anyways, it's also the same in the US, I guess, and the UK for that matter. The parties that have been formed are too powerful now to really fall to proportional voting in its entirety. Yeah, definitely. In less experienced democracies, like as you mentioned in Spain, which has only been a democracy since the seventies, uh, I can see why you know parties can spring up like Podemos and stuff and just claim twenty percent of the vote. Yeah, and maybe that's a good thing. You know, keeps people on their toes. Yeah, um, I'm not as well versed in this you know, as AC Grayling or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and finally, the last one, which I think you guys, if you've listened to the podcast once before, you'd understand. A problem with money and politics. Yeah. And the connections between those two. Pretty much, it's the same with media as well. Uh, and we'll include media in, in, in the state because it's really the fourth wing of the state, really. Um, and pretty much it's just media has an issue where... Not media. When money gets involved in politics, uh, politics serves money. And it's the same with media. When media has to sell and make profit, they're just going to talk about shit that isn't in the public's interest. Yeah, when everything aligns with money, it's not not great. There's a lot of those rules like campaign donations in this country um, and campaign funding, which just need to be tightened up. Um, and, you know, those are actually some just clearly straightforward things you can do to just tighten the control that money has over politics. Yeah. I mean, I think I've discussed this with you privately, but I think all campaign funding should be should be public. It should be on the taxpayer. It shouldn't be privately done. Um, some people might not like that opinion, but I think it's clearly clearly shown that uh, private donations has led to you know Australian politics, anyways, turning into just government looking out for big business. Yeah, and you know, at the end of the day, the problem the problem with money in politics is so complicated and has such a long history. And you know, I just think like the the right neoliberal wing have like a hegemony over um what economics is and how it's been defined and what good economics is and that has just been the problem and that has just spread and really caused huge problems 
Um, but Rob, that might be all we have time for. But yeah, we probably went a little bit over there. Um, it's a topic I'm very passionate about. So if you guys ever see me at a pub, please, please ask me about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, no problems with the systems. Do you know our socials, Nick? Uh, no. Why don't you run okay. through them, Rob? So on Instagram and Facebook, for that matter, it's at Unrepresentative School Podcast. Um, and on Twitter, it's at School Podcast. Awesome. We'll, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you later. Yep.